The Game Schooler podcast is a weekly audio show that highlights the educational value of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover just one, our recommended game of the week, discuss the ingredients of skill development and deduction games in the school of gaming, and wrap it up with the high five challenge. Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my co-host, Dr. Michael McCabe. How you doing, Michael? Doing great, Doug. All right. Did you play any games last week? Let's jump right into that. Okay, we're jumping right in. I did. I played one full game of Incubation. It's a game where you've played it. We've played it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> why are you looking at me like that, man? Nothing. Okay, I'm, surpri- just I'm curious. surprised it came the, out. Well, so, guess who I played with? I'm going to go the youngest. Eliza. I told her, go pick a game. We're going to play a game. And, you know, it's just the two of us home. And she came out with incubation. And I thought, oh, we'll see how this goes. I don't know what it's listed at. I'll look that up here and chime in. Uh, but it's a game where you select different dragon eggs and you get tokens and you place them down almost bingo style. And when the dragon egg card is filled with either water or fire, then you hatch dragons, and then you get rewards and other things as you put sets together. It went surprisingly well, and we we did a little halftime in between, you know, so she'd go outside and play and take a break, and when the next screen break came up, and I said, it's time to be done with screens, let's finish our game, dada. <laughs> and... Um, I won. I know you like to keep track yeah. of those things. Yeah. 64 to 58. Wow, first time. Uh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. But <laughs> Congratulations. I could talk about it for another 10 minutes, but let's hear about you. Well, what, that's got dice in it too, right? You're rolling dice. Two to... nice, chunky dice. Okay. And you roll them, and if two of the object shows up, you, you get three. So it's a little bit of press your luck. There's so many elementary game mechanics in this game. So if if you roll two water die, um, you get three water, uh, and, but you only get one re-roll in it. So you kind of have to sort that out. And I was surprised at how my daughter did. Um, she got bored halfway through, though. If we wouldn't have taken a halftime, it would have ended in tears because yeah. it, it the game just ran a little long. And, and so that was a new learning for me, too. Sometimes if it says 8 plus or 10 plus, it's not just about is the kid able yeah. to learn it. Is the kid able to stay engaged? And this is a 5-year-old. I don't five. know if we've clarified yeah, that. Yeah, she's so, 5. So playing a, a, a game that stretches out a little bit longer, yep. probably at an 8 plus, yep. there's no, no surprise that we'd be getting bored halfway through the game at five years old. No, but awesome, awesome thinking. You could just see the the, the thinking and learning and playing. It, it was fun, um, and I like that game. I'm a fan of that game. The art on it is cool. I think that's what pulled her in, you know, the little baby dragons. And uh, we had a fun time playing. How about you? Cool. Uh, well, I not too much. I played a game of Unlock with my oldest daughter, and so we're kind of plowing our way through that. I think I'm, I've got one or two left that are ones I haven't played yet. Okay. Okay, so all of these are repeats that I've already played. 
but I don't remember half the stuff that happens in yeah. them. So it's pretty much like fresh eyes. I feel like if you play enough games in general and or escape rooms or have a regular life outside of gaming, they run it, together. A it's little very bit. easy to forget what you did <laughs> six months ago. Uh, so those are working out fun, uh, fine. She's really enjoying them. And or if then, you have my memory six days ago. Yeah, yep. perfect. Yeah, you can. It's like a legacy game. That's right. And uh, <laughs> and then I played uh, Silver and Gold, which is a roll oh, and write. Oh, how'd you like that? It was good. It's a very good game. It's a roll and write game. And we'll talk a little bit more about roll and writes, I think, in a week or two. Um, so maybe it'll come up then. But roll and write, you're uh, kind of flipping in this, I guess, is a flip and write Similar to, um, well, I can't really, well, Yahtzee is a roll sure. and write, you know? Sure. So that type of concept of flipping over a card and then you're you're marking off your scorecards, and, and we really enjoyed that, and I wouldn't be surprised if you heard more about that uh, in upcoming episodes. Well, it's nice that we're playing new games and playing them with our kids, though. I, yeah. I know when we get done with the podcast, we'll have a half dozen games to just run through our list to see where they rank and if they meet our criteria you know what what's the phrase that you always use our, our stringent, stringent. Criteria. It's, oh, stringent it's so criteria stringent. but even just based off these three games that we've talked about we need to see where they fit in on that so yep. that's the thing about board games there's always new ones coming out okay so here's my surprise yep i was uh roaming around the twitterverse and i came across across an article that i thought would be fun to talk about you read an article yeah, first time reading. It was first time strange. Reader. Yeah, <laughs> um, long time listener. <laughs> yeah, long time listener, first time reader, and it is from whatnerd.com. I am not vouching for this website whatsoever, but I do mm, want to. Thanks tell them for mentioning that- it on our podcast. Hope neither one of us get fired from our day job. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't be getting fired. <laughs> um, so it said that the ten types of board gamers. Which one are you? Oh, okay. man, I and totally they, want to read this. Okay, they classified it into five good types and five bad types, worst types. So I'm going to read off what the five good types are, and I want you to tell me what you think I am, and then I will tell you what I think you are. I feel like I need to tell people where I live in case I don't make it home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first one is the host, mm-hmm. which would be That's somebody you. that hosts. You don't even need to read the description. <laughs> okay. You are the host. That hosts the game nights. All yep. right. There's Check. also the teacher. That's um, you. Check. <laughs> okay. And then there's the omni gamer. Uh, an omni gamer is someone who will play anything and everything. They That's might me. have <laughs> they might have a genre of board game, but they're okay playing whatever you want to play. Um, I don't think I'm an Omni gamer, no. although I'm not, I don't think I'm that picky. No. I'll, I'll play most, but I'm not, there's definitely times where I'll be like, I don't want to play that. Um, and Jenna, who sometimes games with us, she's definitely an Omni gamer. She'll, and my brother-in-law, Neil, Omni yeah. gamer, whatever you put at the yeah. table, they will play and it could be hot garbage. They don't care. Um, the vibrant, which I think this is what you are, which is. Every good game group has at least one person who's warm, inviting, and energetic. The breath they breathe life into the party, not because Woo! they're loud and obnoxious, but because they're lively, bright, Breathing and in many cases hilarious. I, I disagree with the hilarious yeah, part. I know but. you do. And then here's the fifth one, which is the games keeper. Um, they're the ones who make a decent enough living to fill out an entire Calyx shelf with games that you've never heard of. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which one of us? Do- <laughs> I don't know. You're getting there, Michael. You filled up a calyx. Yeah. Not, not a five by five, though, man. And not or- a five by five by five by five next to each other, next to each other, next to each other. I'll tell you that much right now. Okay. So those are the five good types. Well, the good news is we've got all five covered, covered. between the two of us. There you go. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I Now, hold on. Before yeah. we go further... I don't mind making fun of you because now that I'm looking, you can't call this an article. This is this is not an article. I've got, I've got nothing but ads popping in my face here, man. That, keep going. It's I words digress. on a page. It's words it's on, words a, on a page. Yeah, article. Oh. All right. Number one is a quarterback, the backseat driver, um, one who can't stand to let you think for yourself. I hate playing with people like that. Sorry. Just say that. <laughs> That drives me nuts. Are you tell, are you calling me a quarterback? No, Michael? not okay. at all. All right. Then there's the overthinker. The only time you'll quarterback is if we're in a co-op and I am playing for the first time and you're telling me what the smart move is before I figure it out. <laughs> and then I get angry, but that's usually like our 10th game into the day. So keep going. <laughs> all right. Um, Ooh, so then there's I'm the overthinker. overthinker. Sorry. It says would fall under the analysis paralysis uh, parameter. Doot. That could be Dude. you, yes. Yeah. That would probably be your most. Yeah. Now, That's number my... three is the thing that you hate I quarterbacks. Hate this. I hate this. This I is hate my number this one load. Worse. The inattentive. These are people that you are playing a game with and they're in the corner on their phone. Why in don't you turns. take your smartphone over there so we don't get slowed down by you and your world? It's brutal. Yeah. Uh, you have to. This is the worst part, too, because as, as we've talked earlier, as the teacher, mm-hmm. if the teacher of the group, then you have to explain things three, five, even ten times, yeah. and they still don't get it because or they'll complain. Yeah, isn't that's, that the best? That's too? brutal. Um, and then the cheater. I don't think either of us is that. It used to be. If there, <laughs> if there are people who knew me as a younger human, a, y- a youth, a youth, yeah, <laughs> they, uh, they they would say that guy cheated at every game he played. And then but, the number five on the worst is is the sore loser. Not in board games. Yeah, and I don't do that the only thing i would say is that losing definitely can um it impacts how you look at a game right it influences yeah yeah not me well i think a lot of people do and it depends on the experience if um i don't mind losing um so what i notice about the negatives they compound each other there's a game which i will not name uh, probably the only game in your collection that I despise and don't ever want to play again. The only one where we were about two and a half hours in and I'm swimming out to meet a shark in the water and I'm being quarterbacked vigorously by the two other people who are playing. And I had the overthinker like crazy going. So I think what I like about this article is the negative ones really work together to, to just destroy a game. Um, the positive ones work in the same way. I mean, can if you I, can have I also a, a tell vibrant our, omni-gamer, can I also tell hello, our, bring that person over. Can I also tell our listeners that you decided to go back into the water with the shark with an open wound, <laughs> as if that were going to make things better? Hey, man, I wanted to make a choice. <laughs> I'd, been, I'd been like led down this path of gamerdom for two and a half hours, and I just wanted to make a choice. And you know what? I think I had a 12.5% chance of yeah. taking on that shark. I think it was one in eight my favor. All right, so what yeah. kind of gamer are you? Uh, let us know. We'd like to know uh, where you guys fit in on that spectrum. And if you don't have anything else, Michael, 
I am ready to move on to the recommended game Doug, of the week. Doug, I am proud of you for bringing, I won't call it research, I won't call it an article. It's an article. This is good stuff, man. What nerd? Well done. Board gamer types on whatnerd.com. I like it. All right. The recommended game of the week. The recommended game of the week is a family-friendly game we think you should add to your collection, and it passes our stringent criteria for quality and content. This week's game is Just One by Repost Production, and that's one. O-N-E. Just One. Just All One. All right. So it was released in 2018. Uh, designer is Ludovic Rowdy and Bruno Sauter. Art is Eric Azuguri and Florian Paulette. And the, let's see, plays three to seven players, 20 minutes, ages eight and up, and was the 2019 Spiel de Jahres winner. We've talked about this one in the past, but here is the description. This is all you need to know. This is how you play the game. Very concise description. Yep. One of the players draws a card without looking at it and randomly chooses a number from one to five. That lists uh, their word next to each each number. The other players secretly write down a one-word clue on their easel. They then compare the easels and cancel any identical clues. They then show the remaining easels to the other players so they can guess the mystery word, and they have one guess. It's fantastic. To guess the one word. Uh, so this came out. Obviously, it's a Spiel de Jars winner. I remember Game when it, of the year. you know, right before it came out, I got a demonstration of it, and we played a little demo game in one of the the sessions that that Asmodee and Repos were putting on, and everybody. Oh, that's awesome! Everybody in the room knew like this game is amazing. It's on. You got to play that at a workshop, huh? Yeah, that's cool. So it is available at Target. It's available everywhere. Which usually happens to a Spiel de Jars winner. You yeah, know, the, the it's affordable goes. as all could be too. I know we yep. don't always talk about price, but good stocking stuffer when that time comes. It's it's just a great game. So here are some of the things that that stand out to me of why I like this game. One is it's fast. You know, there's no set turn structure. You're not waiting around. Everyone's participating. Got to cross mine off my list as yep. you go here. Keep going. It's obviously easy to teach. I just taught it to you right now. You could play it. We could sit down at this table and play. I like the easels are like little plastic name placards almost. You know, like when you sit at your desk and you're you're fancy and you get one of those things that says Dr. Michael McCabe to sit on the front of your desk. Clearly you haven't seen my desk. Although I'm, I'm not pretentious, so I don't have one, but <laughs> it was a gift, man. It was a gift. What am I supposed to do? Say no? I'm gonna beat you with it next time you come over. So they're they're nice, uh, chunky plastic easels with colored markers. My name placard is so much nicer. I'm going to turn that into like a Flavor Flav necklace and wear that next time you come over, which I believe is soon. You're yeah. going to see that. Okay, Keep going. sounds good. So I like that they have different colored markers in there. It would be yeah. um, super easy for them to just say, oh, here, everybody gets black markers and, and go from there. But everybody kind of has their own unique character with it great game to bring a lot of people together it sits up to seven which is nice i have absolutely no nitpicks on this game yeah i i don't either it i have it's fast the flow of the game uh, there aren't many games where you get a complete game in 20 minutes 
and the game just has an outstanding uh, flow to it. Uh, the other thing that I have is walk in, sit down, and play. There is a very low barrier mm-hmm. for this. It's almost like the the Oreo cookies of the cookie realm. Like just just eat a couple Oreos, you're gonna be happy. All right, yeah. they're Oreos. Who doesn't like Oreo cookies? Yeah, and just one has has that similar type of crossover um, appeal. You know, if, if it hits a sweet tooth and you want to play a game, grab just one. And it, it's a cooperative game. It is. You yes. know, so that's kind of a strange thing in the, the party realm area of party games to yeah. have a, a cooperative party game. Um, that being said, it can devolve a little bit into an activity. I'm, I've never really paid that much attention to, like, Maybe you're, you're looking for a nitpick, but yeah, you st- you start out. You have 13 cards you have to go through, and theoretically, you get a point for every card that is and guessed they, correctly, and you lose one point and another card if you guess yeah. incorrectly. The, you're trying to get as close as you can to 13. Is it a, a concrete solid? Yeah, so 13 is a perfect score, right? Yeah, yeah and if. If I guess and I guess wrong, boom, I'm out one and I'm out two. So now my new perfect score, not perfect, but my new best score is 11. Devolve is the keyword. The only nitpick I have, if you're playing with either one completely inappropriate sophomoric fools, it, it, it could get inappropriate and it could get inappropriate fast, like any word game. Two is... But that's group dependent. That's yeah, like completely group yeah, dependent. Yeah. But I'm letting listeners know, you know, like word games, I mean, they can. The other thing is... My wife's a triplet. I've talked about this a little bit, but this is a game I cannot play with her with her sister. All right, because her twin sister, who um, she was right next to in the womb, and for first eighteen years of their life, they can read each other's minds. I'm not exaggerating. They they can sit down, and um, my wife could say red thing, and her sister would say spider on a clock, and you would turn around and on the card it would say spider on a clock. Now, obviously that's not number three on any of the cards. It's like uh, Barry and, um, you know, pretty simple words. But I bring that up because if people have either been roommates or lived together or if there are a ton of inside jokes, there can kind of be a time like, oh, why did you use that word? The rest of the table's looking at each other like, why'd you use that? We've had that happen a few times when we played this with our kids where our one of our children will make an association and they think everyone else at the table will remember that one time, right? That one time that we saw the dog and that's what, and nobody else makes that association. And that's part of the fun because you get to talk about it. Um, so that's what I've got. Not, not a nitpick, just, just a beware when you play. All right. So I would, one more, sorry. And then it's a, (laughs) one more, one more. It's a take it with you game. We've done a little bit of traveling recently, and I noticed two games that constantly come wherever we go, Azul and Just One. And I think it's that time factor, it's that teach factor of, you know, j- just sit down, we're going to play a game. And yep. so that's yeah. it. All right, so at this point we usually talk about the skills that are in the game. I was a little bit worried how many skills that are, are going to be in a party game, right? Oh, not that. This one's and loaded, man. It's words. I got six. Well, yeah, you, you know, and... Clearly, a bunch of them are gonna are gonna jumble around one kind of area. Yeah, but I was surprised that there was some other ones in there that um, rounded out the list, and actually some newcomers. So let's see what what skills do you have. 
Oh, and you're uh, the... so I go first yeah, yeah, all the way through? Yeah. No, well, whatever. Playing a little tennis here, volley. Uh, communication. Did you have it? I didn't, no. You didn't? No. Well, while I search for that, <laughs> because I was certain you would have that, no. let me just jump in and grab that. Um, definition here. A little command F can go a long way, listeners. So the other thing is Doug can always cut this out the next day as our lead producer. So communication, we define it. We have it six times in the document. I had to search a little bit. Uh, A game that fosters an environment in which students must have information, news, or ideas. And I'm locking in on that ideas. The game requires association. Yep. And I I think we're going to have a ton of crossover on our skills. uh, But as it is a cooperative, what's different about this from a taboo or any other categories where a game where maybe two of us are on a team or four of us are on a team, we're all trying to get to 13. So that, that team aspect of how we communicate and put our ideas in the center, it's not always about who can be the most creative. It's really about how can I make this into the best association? Well, and I think the interesting part of this game is that there's skills on both sides of the game. If you're yeah. the guesser, there's a yeah. different set of skills that you're being exposed to. And if you're writing the clues, there are different skills that you have. So you actually just mentioned one of the, the skills that I have on my list, which is creativity. Yeah. Which I have when that you're as well. when you're giving clues, and this the the part I want to highlight on our definition is that in a game in which students produce original ideas that may, may be useful in solving problems communicating and entertaining you know so that idea of solving problems because it's not just okay i'm going to be creative and put the first thing down that pumps it you know goes into my head yeah i have to think okay this is the first thing that jumped into my head is that also the first thing that jumped into michael's head into katie's head and emily's head that we don't all write down the same clue and we're giving the guesser nothing yep so you have to kind of go to that next level and say okay can I get this? Is there an adjacent word that maybe nobody else is going to use? And trying to feel that out, you have to be creative. You have to come up with creative ways to say the things that everybody else wants to say in a different way. Right. And the way that you get into other gamers' heads and then come up with a word, you still have to produce a word. That's where I have comprehension Mm-hmm. Uh, as a as a skill, so right there, I have three that are right off the board. Three of my five with communication, comprehension, and creativity. Yep, comprehension. I've got that one as well. A game that bolsters a student's ability to process text and understand its meaning. Can't play this game without that. Um, I have critical thinking on the part of the guesser. So you have to take those clues, think about and. Well, it's actually on both sides. It's in that area where you're trying to think of, is there a different word and trying to grasp what information you know other players might play. Yeah, because it's one word. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You're guessing one word, you're writing one word. You know, and then the ability to look at the three or four words in front of you and figure out how are those related? What's the commonality? How do they fit together to make your guess is why I've got critical thinking on my list. Well, and if if Doug and I are playing this game and if one of our wives is guessing, there's there's that that moment where the other three of us at the table have to really think about, well, we can't all put down the same word. Because yeah. have you ever had that happen where where everyone writes down the same word 
And what what would I, I should have gone to the rule book before coming into well, the booth? Well, you just here. make it. If you don't make a guess, yeah, you only lose that. You card. You just lose that card. Yeah, it's only yeah. if you get an okay. incorrect Way guess to... that you lose the two. But I think I've had a situation where, like, in a four-player game, three people crossed each other out, and yeah. The, because uh, the funny thing that happens is if three clues get canceled out that were all the same, usually the one lone clue is so obscure they were trying to, <laughs> right. and it's just like, where were you going? Yeah, with this is that? an oddball. But if you had had it with the other word, it would make perfect sense. Yeah. And um, then what's the most number of players you've played this with? Probably six, six maybe. And the youngest? Uh, you- 25. I've okay. not, I've okay. not played only. with this, uh, the kids yet. Well, and I ask those questions so that I don't get pummeled with my next skill here, which is persuasion, a game in which students are encouraged to convince others through reasoning. The manufacturing of the clue, there, there, there's something pretty cool that happens when you're playing with, you know, in, in a four-player or a five-player game, where those clues can add up and paint a persuasive story of what that that last remaining um, word is. I I don't think that's as strong. I'll push back a little bit on that Bring one. Bring it because I don't feel like I'm I'm trying to give the best clue, but there's nothing in there that I feel like I'm persuading. Are you trying to make a sale in this game? No. Yes, you are. You're trying, I'm trying to, to sell get somebody your clue. to guess. Guess my thing, my the, their word in the context of of the game, but I'm not using any other. I skills. think you analyzed our podcasts over the last three episodes and found way too much agreement. You said whatever skill he comes with last, I'm gonna get my get out my fancy words and just go to work. There's not persuasion in this. There, there may be, but I don't think it's All right. strong. What do you got? What do you All got? Right. I've got reading and writing. Well, of course, there's reading. Well, no, is it on your list? Is it on your list? No, because it's on the nose. That's where I was trying well, to make the stretch with persuasion. We don't have a lot of games that feature literal reading and writing. Literal. That you need yeah, to do not that. figurative. Well, also figurative. Literal and figurative. Look at that game. So it must be a game you of know, the year. It's not a. It's not a skill that comes up a lot. So. I want to highlight it. It's fun. I want right? to highlight it when it's there. Um, I've got one more sixth skill left, and you might push back on this one. I thought it was kind of interesting. Is public speaking? Oh yeah. In the in the lens of the person that has to guess the clue, 100%. because I think it's exposing people in small increments to that idea of being on the hot seat. Even the guesser, though. Well, I mean, that's you what I'm have, talking about, the guesser. Yeah, okay. The guesser is the yeah. person on the oh, hot yeah. seat. That there, that's... There's a little bit of tension there. You have yeah. to perform. You're on. And I'll tell you what, for for kiddos and adults alike, there are people who don't like to talk to other humans. They they don't like to talk to anybody. And in a party game, a party word game where I have to guess, what? But like, what makes it work and where I can jump on that skill is the low barrier that I talked about earlier. You could yeah. just sit on the table and, and see what's happening. If you watch for two rounds, you can grab a little placard and a marker and start playing. Which made me think of, so I'm going to go back to your persuasion. And I think persuasion is in the game, but not where you think it is. Okay, I don't think it happens between your ears or what you write down. The persuasion in this game happens after the Body turn language. is over. And 
people are justifying what clue they put down and why they put down. Yeah. That's where the persuasion comes in, where you're saying, when everybody says, Michael, persuasion is a dumb clue, and then you're trying to convince people, no, it's a really good clue, because then I thought that he would think this and yeah. that, that. That justification, I think, is where the persuasion comes in. I agree with that. So right. if you want to edit this back and just input your voice in, that, that'll be great. <laughs> no, uh, it's but not exactly a full, as not is. a full inception. I, I still think that when you watch kids kind of give the side eye and their head doesn't move and their eyes are going back and forth and they're looking across the table and they write down that one word and it's probably not going to be spelled correctly because, like I said, kids, all right, and they turn around the placard. There, there's a story that's put together when you're playing a four and five person but game. But it doesn't come out until after. Uh, it also comes out after. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's well, probably eighth or ninth, but for me, I, I could make the case for it. I, I don't know why I skimmed across reading and writing. I should have. <laughs> that should have been one and two. It's a reading and writing game, and if. If you're a special yeah. but if you're a special education teacher, this is a fantastic investment. It just set a little sale alert. It, it, I mean, you can get it for less than twenty bucks any day of the week, and a, a great game to use whenever you whenever you want to use it. But this would be a one Friday a month game for me if I were back in the classroom, and I'm talking third grade all the way up through 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 high school yeah. because 10th 11th grade you could still build community if you're in a classroom whether it's a a resource room whatever type of room where you are really providing extra reading and writing supports um, because of the other skills that we've talked about I think it would be a great game to, to add on your bookshelf well and multi-generationally the idea of you know sometimes you're playing with with just a, a 11 year old or a nine year old sometimes the clues that they give, are outside of the zeitgeist of yeah. where everybody else is at the yeah. table that they can be just as helpful as the adults in the room. Yeah. And I think they bring in a different dynamic when you're playing with kids that you do get a little bit of that off-the-wall thinking that comes together to create a mosaic of... of of yeah. that word, you know, that, that good clue. I've got an idea. Maybe we should take it to NBC or ABC or CBS for a pilot episode, but what about centarians playing just one? 100-year-olds playing just one? What do you think? No? I, you, I think you, you have one. a better chance selling <laughs> one-year-olds playing just one. Yeah, that'd be good, too. That'd be in, in season two. All right. Nope. So that is good Just stuff. One, our recommended game of the week, and let's move on to the School of Gaming. School of Gaming. In the School of Gaming, we discuss concepts, keywords, etiquette, and helpful ideas in the world of gaming and education. This week, we'll be talking about deduction games and the ingredients of skill development. Doug, I deduce that you are talking about <laughs> deduction games because I have ingredients of skill development. Wow, what a great segue there. Woo! You nailed it. All right, so deduction games in... On my notes here, I have deduction games, games. So whatever, games. That, whatever that means. Wonder where the apostrophes are on that. Yeah. So in deduction games, if you are unfamiliar, players must determine hidden information 
based on clues and gathered knowledge. So most people recognize this from the game Clue. Clue is a deduction game. Did you have a favorite character of Clue growing up? No. No? Did you ever play Clue Oh, yeah. Up? Yeah, okay. I mean... I mean, the, I'm the, a Professor Plum man you're myself. You're Professor Plum. All uh, the way. I, I, you weren't a... Butler with a candlestick or anything like that? Or... The butler is the one that's dead, Michael. Yep. That's too soon. <laughs> I know, man. I know where I'm going. Go yeah. ahead. That's poor butler. Poor butler. Um, Mr. Body. Um, so oh, you played a lot of Clue in your day, huh? Not really. I don't like Clue, okay. actually. Um, so as we've gone in the world of modern gaming, a lot of the flaws of Clue have been addressed. You know, that idea of rolling a dice and not ending up into a room to mm -hmm. get a clue, um, which is silly. But so modern tabletop games have improved that concept. There's several different types of deduction games now available. There's um, cooperative deduction games, which is usually involves one person giving clues to the other players. So a good example of this is um, Mysterium is a game where you know, folks are trying to solve a, a murder mystery yep. with the, the ghost giving them clues. There's traditional ones that are kind of more in the line of clue. A good clue killer that I have is uh, Mystery Express by Days of Wonder. So that's that same type of thing where you're getting information and, and trying to be the first one to solve the, the, the mystery. Then there's another type that's come out recently called, and I think they call them induction games. Like the opposite of deduction, and this is a game like Tobago, which is you are playing cards down that narrow down the location. Yes. Okay. Yes, so yes, then you're yes, strategically yes. playing. Another one of those is a game called you're Inducing Action. Yes. Okay. the The other one is Cryptid, which is a game where I have a piece of information, you have a piece of information, and the third player has a piece of information, and that. Those three pieces of information combine to a single space on the board, and you're trying to figure out what it is through the course of the game. I mean, there's even kids' options available. There's a game outfoxed that's awesome where you're trying to, you know, catch the the fox before he escapes with the pie or something along those lines. These games, deduction games, are great games for teaching logic and critical thinking. Gamers have to assess the information, put it all together, figure out what's missing, say, well, if I know that this is here, then that means that can't be there, and put it all together. And I think, you know, the the educational value of teaching those skills from deduction games is is huge. So it's something that we're going to highlight in the future, but I just wanted to Put that out there to let people know what that is. If you're unfamiliar with that term, as we move use it going forward, is this? Do you like deduction games? Not particularly. I I mean I I like all games that come to the table. We you, talked uh, about that gamer, you. previously, but you know if there's a dozen different types of games, this is probably in the eighth or ninth for me. However, uh, Obscurio is a game that that I own that's a deduction game by the same people that did one of the games you mentioned earlier yeah, and when was yeah, the, outside of that when was the last time you played a deduction game hmm. have you played one of these newer newer types of deduction games I don't know an answer to that because list list a few more 
I mean, those are the those are the big ones. Those are the ones I would be playing: Mystery Express, Tobago, Cryptid, Sleuth, Outfoxed. Played um, Outfoxed, yeah. You know, which, of course, is a kid game. You're not. Yeah, Mike. Me personally, I love deduction games. Okay, I love the idea of trying to. It's essentially a, a board game version of like a Sudoku puzzle. Yeah, right. You know, trying to figure that out based on the information you know, solve the puzzle based on the information you have. Chronicles of Crime deduction or quasi deduction? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, I. Yeah. If I'm with the right group, I enjoy playing them. Yeah, um, it's. It's one. It, that, it is group dependent for me, though. Yeah, it is one that I feel like there people have strong opinions on it, but I'm also not sure how often people have actually played some of these games. Yeah. So I don't know if that's like a lingering thing from Clue. It was like, ah, I don't like to solve that you, puzzle. You it know, could be. It, yeah. There are so many other types of board games that I love to play, and we've talked about a lot of them. I love playing a good deck builder. I love playing a good worker placement game. I. Um, but you know, when game night used to be a thing, when it used to be hosted and, and deduction games weren't brought to the table much, man, they, they weren't, they weren't really there. Yeah. Um, but Obscurio is one that, that I have that I'd like to get to the table more. And All right. So, so that is deduction games. Let me know the ingredients of skill development. Well, hold on. What made you stumble into deduction games? Was there something that you thought, oh, I need to explain this to the listeners? Or if, if there are educators out there, why, why do they need to know more about that? I think the ability of, of teaching logic and critical thinking, this is a category of game that is full of potential for those Mm. skill categories. Good. You know, to be able to, like I said, if you know you if you find value in a Sudoku puzzle, what? How can you bring that into the classroom and blow it up? Yeah, you know, and, and, and have and create they're, an experience. They're group driven. I mean, what I like about the deduction games is the high levels of social interaction. I, I in enjoy some, that. In some, okay, okay, you know, because That's some. Of, an, I mean, in a Mysterium or an Obscurio, something like that. Yes, there definitely is a lot of give and take. The other, there is also the huddle up and try and yeah. collect the facts before somebody else, you know, put yeah. the pieces together. You know, how, how fast can you put the puzzle together? Is there a timer typically in a deduction game or no? Not really. Okay. I mean, most okay. of them are based on a, a number of rounds or until somebody, you know, you might have yeah. so many rounds before you need to well, solve it. I need it. to play more of them. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's clear. Um, just as I'm thinking through, usually when you start rattling off games, I can think of, Yep, played it, played it, want to play it. Don't need to look that one up. And and this one, there's several games that I just need need to play yet. So that's good. All right. So what are the ingredients of skill development, Michael? Well, that's that's a great question, Doug, and it's one you and I have gone back and forth on a lot here over the past year plus. So the ingredients for skill development. Now there are two things, Doug. I don't know if I've shared this with you, but there are two things that I'm competent in in this world. One is making pancakes. Two, and others would argue this, but I feel confident doing it, coaching basketball. And in both coaching basketball and making pancakes, skills are required. So for the purposes of today's school of gaming, we're going to stick with pancakes and leave basketball off to the side because I'll go down a 17-minute rabbit hole and start to talk about MJ and Kobe and things that we just don't need to get into on a game schooling podcast. So the ingredients of skill development. You know, when you make pancakes, magical things happen when you have the 2-1-2. And anybody who puts a lot of Saturday mornings in with a Bisquick, they know what I'm talking about. 
two cups of the Bisquick, one cup. Did I get this right? Two cups of Bisquick, one cup of milk, two eggs. Yep, two, one, two. All right, almost screwed that up. We had to do a take five here. You put those things together. You put them on a skillet with some butter. You put them on for two or three minutes. You flip them one time. Maybe you get some chocolate chippies in them if you're in my house, and you serve them up. Pancakes are served. It's a great process. Great process. 27 minutes start to finish. Now, how do I know that I know how to make pancakes? Because I have a lot of repetitions with making pancakes. My dad made pancakes before me, and I said, when I'm going to have children, every single Saturday, I'm making pancakes. And if you come over to my house, and if it's a weekend, there's a good chance on a Saturday morning I'm making pancakes. So if you add that up, I've got close to a 1,000 repetitions of making pancakes. And if somebody's really doing the math, and I'm exaggerating, then I'll tell you I made pancakes eh, five times a week in college, and I made a lot of pancakes. So Malcolm Gladwell has a theory out there that in one of his books where he talks about for mastery, you need 10,000 hours to to have mastery and to really achieve the height, 10,000 hours. And I think we've talked about this a, a little bit before previously. We're not talking about that level of skill development. When we talk about the ingredients of skill development, we're just really talking about getting better at one thing. And so these ingredients that we're about to give you, I think this works if you're in a classroom setting. I think this works with your own kids at home. These are the things you need. This is not coming from research. This is really coming from lived experience. And, and I told you, I, I know how to make pancakes. So if you want to challenge me, just just find me. I'll bring my griddle and we'll go to work. Uh, one, I'm going to throw about four cliches in here. I'm going to explain them. Feel free to interrupt me. But the first one is participation. All right. And participation goes hand in hand with the second skill, which is engagement. But participation precedes engagement. You have to have participation before you can have engagement. If I never picked up a spatula and was just deathly afraid of making pancakes, I wouldn't know how to do it. All right. So participation and and engagement go hand in hand, but engagement is not enough. You have to have focused engagement. Now, What's one thing that you're really good at? And it goes hand in hand with this podcast, and you might not like to talk about it because I know I give you a hard time about it. Yep. But this this marvel that's sitting behind me here that you got off a of Kickstarter, there are some sweet figures that are painted in there, Doug. Yeah, I've got some skills. How did you learn how to paint plastic molded characters and figures? Repetition and research. Yeah, repetition and research, right? And I take it you're not able to paint those minis in a moving car, right? No, that (laughs) would be ill-advised. It would be ill-advised. You have a little station where you go to. All of the faces would look like the the guy looking at the Ark of the Covenant at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't be able to. You could see the pupils. I mean, you could see the the different shading of hair in in, in the figures that you have. We should really throw some of these on Instagram. You're you're an artist. You You do great work with it. And... I would contend that it's not just engagement. There's a level of focused engagement and repetition that goes into developing skills. And why I'm talking about these ingredients with participation, engagement, and repetition is that board games allow for youth to develop skills. Board games have the same tight parameters that other games have where we develop skills. Think of a game that you're good at, like a kinesthetic game. What What's a game that you're good at? 
What, a board game? No, <laughs> no, it can't be a game that's located in your collection here. I'm talking like basketball. You were a catcher in Little League and baseball, right? Yeah, there right? you go. Yeah, catcher. catcher. Yeah, Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. You were calling signs and, and and playing like that. Did you cheat or were you honest? What kind of catcher were you? How do you cheat as catcher? I don't know. I'd have to. You fr- to I, I did frame pitches, <laughs> if that's what you're asking. But baseball allows somebody as a catcher to continue to get better. You have nine innings. You sit behind a plate. You're going to catch a ball a whole bunch of times. You're getting coached up by manager. There are rules that allow you to play a game and improve, right? You're going to improve at throwing the ball. You're going to improve at picking it out of the dirt. You're going to improve at getting smashed when people come into home well, play. Well, hey, Go ahead. You know, you, you talk about um, engagement. Yeah, That's why I chose to be a catcher. Yeah. I wanted to be involved in every – Play. Every, I didn't want yeah. to sit in the left field hoping somebody hit. I was hit. a right field and a line picker. You know, yeah. worst it, day of my life was when I got moved to first base and actually had to pay attention. It's like, can't <laughs> you put me back out in right field? So no. the idea of of seeking engagement, seeking that participation, was part of the reason I wanted that position. And I think what I what we are contending here is that. The modern tabletop board games that we've been talking to folks about for the last six months set the parameters and provide an arena for skill development. And that's something that I believe to be true. And I know it's something you're very passionate about. And it's something that I look forward to really sharing with people when we're back in person with people. When we go to conventions, when we go to conferences, when we meet people across the world and sit down and play games, I want to hear about how they are using board games to help their kids with tactical thinking, with problem solving. Hey, we personal financial literacy isn't a whole lot of fun on a spreadsheet. So we played Dream Home and we talked about it. And then we made, you know, we compared our house or maybe the house that they wanted. There are so many different places you can go to board games and, and, and with skill development that you can't quite get to with subjects like we talked about last week because subjects are so specialized and the parameters are aren't as tight mm. as they are with skills in, in the board games that we're talking about here. So those are the ingredients, participation, uh, focused engagement, and then just that repetition. And, and if you are interested in hearing more about the 10,000 hours, um, just just Google 10,000 hours Malcolm Gladwell, and there are people who speak a lot more eloquently about it with me than, than, than me. So Um, That's what I've got today for the ingredients of skill development. The final thing that I'll say, our dessert for this, is if you just ask youth, and whether they're 5 or 15, they really know when they're getting better at something. And so this I hope to get into either more next week or two weeks down the line, but personal reflection, people know when they are getting better at something. That's not something that can be faked. With a lot of the skills on our list, through that repetition, you you start to think and see the world a little bit, be able to look at it through different lenses and perspectives and all those things that come with developing skills. Um, I think back just, you know, I've got a five-year-old right now who's learning to read. And you can see as some of those phonics are going to get put together and the world is starting to unlock a little bit, that only continues to grow and enhance with the same skills that we're talking about here. So that that's where I'm kind of heading to in the future uh, with this is getting into personal reflection and types of reflection with skill development. But thanks for letting me talk on, on something that I really care a lot about, Doug. 
<laughs> what man? What? What's that chuckle for, dude? <laughs> yeah. no, nothing. I enjoyed your <laughs> what you laid out there. It was just at the end. It felt very much like a, a made-for-TV movie of <laughs> them. I was giving you permission to talk about something that you wanted to talk about. Like, no, this was take two. <laughs> the first take that I did of this segment was terrible. We we do everything at once, folks. We sit down, we record a podcast, and I told Doug I'm going to do better. And he's like, "No, we're moving on." I said, "Give me another take." It was it was way better. <laughs> well, good. Play them both back to back. All right, and, and I mean that about pancakes. If we're on the road, give me Bisquick, an egg, and some milk. Two eggs, actually, and some milk, and I'll make you some good pancakes. He's got to throw down with Bobby Flay. All right, let's move on to the high five challenge. If you're anything like us, you're constantly on the hunt for new games to try out. Each week for the High Five Challenge, I'll share a top five list of family-friendly games. And Michael has chosen the topic. What is this week's topic? We're going to do games published by Renegade Game Studios. I believe this is our second game studio-specific list that we've done. Uh, is it? What, what yeah, do you we do? did Haba. Haba. Okay, yeah, Haba. Yeah, and so... Renegade's kind of that that next step up, and I know they definitely have some that are coming out that are not family friendly. So let's highlight the awesome ones that that meet our list for that. Yeah, and this was a, a fun one. I know this is a publisher that Michael I love likes. Um, I'll get some honorable mentions out of the way. Probably um, all the games that are in my collection. They well, they they're gonna be the Raiders of the North Sea oh, yeah. and Architects of the West Kingdom. These are phenomenal games. You can play them with older kids. They're definitely family friendly. They're the only reason they're not on this list is they get towards the more of the complex side. Yeah. Um, but talk about a great Sunday rain day game. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They're very good games. Great quality components. Um, they're part of a larger series of of games that are coming out. They're all by um, I want to say Shem Phillips. Yep. Is that Yeah. Um, is a designer. So those are some great games to to look out for. But let's get on to the, the list proper. Number five, and the only reason this is in position number five is because I think it's out of print, which I think is unfortunate. And I have some reasons why I think it may have. One of them is the packaging that it comes in. But my number five is Junk Orbit. Um, and when I say the packaging, it came in. It came in like a round tube. I think it's if phenomenal, it, man. I think if it was in a box, it would have Doug in his boxes. It would Don't have put more. it in a tin. Don't try to stand out and well, be in a round jug. Well, I think there. I, I sorry, sorry. No, I'm but I think cynical. that there. I think that's a thing. Yeah, that, that companies do want to try and stand out, but that's also the thing that cost. that that comes and says, "Where do I put this on my shelf later?" Yeah. Um, but anyway, I digress. Junk Orbit is a phenomenal game in which you are collecting trash from the location that you're on, pushing trash into orbit, and then that propels your ship in the opposite direction that you shot the trash out. Great tie into gravity. And yeah, and you're slingshotting around planets, you're collecting garbage and delivering gar- garbage. So the whole, whole idea of someone's trash is another man's treasure is on full display in this game as you circle around earth the moon and mars and try and and deliver junk 
yeah. to those planets. So it's a really great you, game. You and drop off. So it's not your standard pick up and deliver. When you drop off some junk, you're then getting thrown in the opposite, uh, in direction. The opposite direction, yeah. which is just, it's great. So that is my number five. And like I said, it would be definitely be higher on my list, but because I know that it's out of print or is, you can probably still get a copy. Yeah. I just know on a publisher level, they no longer have it on Renegade's website. So that's why it, that's it fell down. That's unfortunate, man. Uh, number four is a game called Clip Cut Parks, which is a game in which you are rolling a dice and cutting square sections of park pieces out of a sheet of paper to then lay down on cards that are in front of you, yep. almost Tetris-style Trying shapes. to complete the card. And the, the roll of the dice determines how many cuts you can make in what direction and, and that type of thing. And it's the first person to fill up, I don't know, three or four or four cards, something along those lines, um, wins. And if there's a tie, it's whoever's wasted the least. If something falls off and you can't put it in one of your parks, you have to crumple it up, which can give you... Uh, take away at the end of the game and prevent you from winning, but a really great dexterity game as you're, you know, I mean, the game comes with scissors. You don't have to provide Fantastic your own scissors. scissors four of um, them that also have a ruler on the side, which I mean, yeah. just such a wonderful game. So, and I, I think it comes with a hundred sheets, which if you're playing, you're not going to go through the sheets. No, I mean, so if, if you're, that's if a barrier, if you're playing about it. four players, that's 25 games. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of value in there. I mean, I can't even think of hardly any games in my collection that I've played 25 times. And well under $20 all day long. Yep. So in terms of, yeah, we own that game as a family. We really love that game because when you cut into your sheet, it's based on the, the dice that you roll and then you have to turn. So there, there. It's a game. This is a game where I slow down, folks. Where people yeah. are like, "Come, on, Michael, well, just make a cut." Well, there's. <laughs> it's a. It's a nice thing. There's a level of permanence to it. Once you make oh, yeah. that cut, you can't go back. You can't. Oh, you can't place it. You need to crumple it up and throw it. Yeah. So I like <laughs> that and that that idea of when it's set, it's set, and that's a good valuable lesson for kids to learn of. Yeah, that cut that you made three turns ago caused a problem later, and that yeah. cause and effect relationship is a really strong um, uh, educational factor to it. Uh, number three, I have is World's Fair 1893. Oh, you like that game, don't you? I haven't yeah. played that one yet. Yep. Tell us a, about it. A good, uh, good little game where you are um, collecting cubes from. Uh, you're dropping your cubes off around a Ferris wheel, collecting. Uh, exhibits and park tickets, and there's some great history in it. I know they just released a new version that's an Amazon exclusive. Um, it looks sweet. That's it looks got really got, nice. got historical uh, figures and um, historical inventions. So it's a great, you know, if you want to combine a game that's giving your kids good skills to learn in addition to, hey, how can I... Uh, you know, talk about Mr. McCormick in Chicago and incorporate some of those lessons and the inventions at the turn of the century, this is a great game that, that is great for subject and skills, which is kind of a rarity in, in, in games in general to be able to have those things so closely married. Uh, number two, this one is... 
I don't want to say it's a little on the heavier side because I don't think it is, but there's there's some a decent amount of stuff going on. But I think the theming and the way that it all works together really just What's creates game, a nice dude? package. Let me, I'm getting there. I'm building to it. I'm building the excitement. It's Ex Libris, which is a game about building a library in a fantastical see why world. You're building, <laughs> build to it. Go <laughs> ahead. I know this is a great game, but um. But the, the, the titles are all fantastical. They have, you know, great, fun fun titles on the bookshelves. You're trying to get them in order, and you're making a grid uh, of your library. And I just think that the the artwork, the presentation, everything about this is just a fun game of, of interaction with the, the puzzly nature of how I can get my bookshelves to line up properly. You've got uh, properly, you've got some categories of books that you want you know you might want to be collecting historical books and trying to stay away from another type of book that would give you negative points and so even though the theme sounds drab the gameplay it's fun is very enjoyable yeah um and lastly my number one is clank a deck building adventure uh, a great push your luck style game where you're trying to go down below the castle plunder some treasure and get back to the top without waking the dragon who is going to breathe fire on you. Um, as you move around the dungeon below, you clank and make noise. Eventually, if there's enough clank, the, the dragon's going to wake up and that's not going to be good. Uh, one of the cool things about this game, it's a deck-building game with a board, and it has this interesting um, push and pull to the game where you don't you can go down really deep and get a really valuable treasure, but you may not get out alive. Right. Or you can go and pick something something smaller, over. a smaller treasure worth less points and get out and you're alive. But if somebody gets something higher, you're going to lose. So that, and I mean, I've had games where I don't make it out alive. You're one turn away and you just don't get to score at the end of the game. And it sounds like that would be bad, but the gameplay experience while you're doing it is so fun that it's not even, it doesn't even register as a as a negative. Yeah, it's one of my favorite games. It's a it's a favorite in our house as well. Uh, we we really um, enjoy this one. At least my oldest daughter and I do. Uh, so, anything else on that before I, I replay it back on the no? Five those to one are day? those are my uh, high five. Games published by Renegade Game Studios. Well done, Renegade. Keep them coming. My game collection thanks you. Uh, coming in at number five, we have Junk Orbit from 2018. That's by Daniel Solis. That is a fantastic game, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to do something different this week because they're all by the same publisher. I'm also going to tell you the weight that they are. <laughs> okay. I think good idea, bad idea. Just I, I noticed some you, similarities as I was poking along here. Yep, you can go. That has that. a weight of one point five six. So yeah. on a scale of five, so five would be impossible. It would be in yeah. a different language that I wouldn't be able to play. One is super easy. Yep. And now so, and keep in mind that these are these are ratings based on Board Game Geek users, which tend to be heavy gamers. game players. So they may skew a little bit lighter than they actually are to a and non-gamer. And I'll keep my adjectives to myself. I notice you get a little upset if I start to describe the typical board game geek user. Yeah, it's so, offensive. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Number four is Clip Cut Parks, another fantastic game. This is by Sean Graham and Scott Huntington. 
that comes in at a weight of 1.33. And I'm here to tell you both of those games can easily be taught and played by most eight-year-olds. Number three, the one game on the list I have not played, World Fair 1893, but it actually came out and was published in 2016. So don't get those two dates confused. That's by J. Alex Kevern, art by Adam McIver and Beth Sobel. Number two, and that has a weight of 1.99. Number two on Doug's list is Ex Libris 2017, also designed by Adam McIver, the same designer. Or I'm sorry, so the artist on World's Fair is a designer on Ex Libris. That's cool. Uh, weight of 251 out of 5. And number one, Game of the Week, Clank, a deck-building adventure. And it's awesome. With a weight of 2.21 out of 5, the designer is Paul Denon, and that came out in 2016. That's a great, great list, Doug. All right, so that is the High Five Challenge. I want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the podcast and like us on Facebook. Uh, Check out our website. We've got all of our recommended games, the games that we recommend and talk about. We've got those listed on our website and and updated regularly with the, uh, you know, the, the cover art, the... Uh, some of the stats on the game, you know, how long it plays, how many players, and then there's a little blurb for each one on on why we recommend it, why it, why it makes our list. So use that as a resource. Do you want to know what I love about our website, Doug? What do you the love shameless about our website? Plug. There's no ads on it. You come to our website Not yet. <laughs> no, man, don't do that to people. I'm kidding. I can't because I use I'm a lot kidding. of recipes, and I can't. I'll, I'll be looking at a recipe, and all of a sudden it'll change, and there'll be an ad for board games and Nikes, and it's like. I'm trying to cook something here, and I love that about our website. It's an actual website. Yeah, hard to believe. Yeah, where where you get information, and people (laughs) aren't trying to sell you stuff. They're just trying to present information. So well done on that, Doug. All right. So follow us on Twitter. Back to the run, G. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Keep it moving. You, you One day, you know, with the repetition and focused engagement, I think that you'll focused get- Focused engagement you'll was get, missing there, man. I just <laughs> had to go on a rant. I think you'll get better at transitioning to that next part uh, to convey the information we try to convey at the end of our podcast. <laughs> All right. So on behalf of myself and Doug- Thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We really appreciate it. Now get out there and start game schooling. <laughs>